Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of An Author's Kiss and also Raising Our Gifted Children as it covers both genres today, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest here is Virginia Sampson. She's written two books. One is The Compassion Magic, Turning Tragedy into Triumph, and another is Superhero Sam, Who Saves His Family. We're going to be talking about the books today and how it all came about. She's says that uh, superheroes are often role models for our children. They are looked up to because they are strong and they bend to their will. They can bend anything to their will. We see them as powerful. Is that the message we want to send to our children? What if we could show our children that power comes from being kind, compassionate and thoughtful? It can be difficult to teach compassion to our children, especially right now. We can begin by planting those seeds about the power of compassion and showing them the simple ways to practice compassion. Virginia is a single parent to four children. Oh, brother, my dear. When her husband died from ALS, and I'm so sorry about that, she had been a full-time caregiver to him for three years. Her children struggled to deal with their loss and their grief. Two of them turned to alcohol and drugs. Virginia has faced many other challenges, such as being a victim of domestic violence. The world was not very compassionate place during these trials. She and her children were bitter and angry. She wanted all of them to heal and thrive again. She realized that compassion for yourself and others was the key. She studied the science of compassion and started to practice it for herself, her children and others. She has written a book for adults about compassion, Compassion Magic, and a book for children, Superhero, Sam Saves His Family. She wants to spread the message about compassion and to inspire others how to discover its powerful healing in order to thrive. Boy, have you really hit the nail on the head. Yes, the superpower is in, in passion, in consideration, in kindness, in caring, in collaboration. Uh, people have got the wrong end of the stick when it comes to power. Um, it is about empowering others while you're empowering yourself. So welcome to the show, love. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. You know, everybody that comes out with the most fruitful stuff are people that have gone through the journey themselves, and you've certainly gone through it. Um, you know, not just the loss of your husband, obviously the decline, um, four kids then reacting in different ways. You, your own grief that you have to go through, but at the same time be strong for everyone else. And just, just if everybody had stepped up with their arms around one another and said, I'm here for you, we can get through this. You know, very often that's the kind of empowerment we really want, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's so healing and so it's, I can't explain, it is magical. Just when people show up to just offer you any kind of support. And I do feel like we're so individualistic now, people don't, they either don't know how to do it or they're afraid to do it. I'm not sure what it is, but they don't reach out. I don't think to other people, especially in times of crisis. Maybe briefly, you know, I think when COVID hit, people were kind of supportive. And then it's kind of like everybody kind of goes back to their corners. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, that's, we, we need to stay out there. We need to stay engaged with each other. We certainly do. We know that um, we know hate doesn't work. We know violence doesn't work. You know, discord and, and trying to separate people does not work. We are community people. And we're only as strong as each other's contribution. And when someone falls, we all need to be there to help them pick back up. And the same with celebration. Uh, We are not meant to be, I mean, I would say know your instrument, learn how to play it well, but find your orchestra in which to play it in. Because we are responsible for our own actions, our own free will, our own choices. But we should be making them in a sense of service to one another rather than me, myself, I'm going to close off from anyone. Only I'm important because that's border narcissistic. So how do you, where do you think that we've kind of, with all the apparatuses we have to connect with people, why we're becoming so utterly disconnected from everyone else? 
I think we, I don't, I can't speak for Canada, but the United States, I think has become a real culture of competition, mm. right? And competition divides us and competition causes us to compare ourselves to others and judge other people. And I think that that definitely separates us out and is very, I mean, it's the opposite of compassion, right? When you're compassionate with someone, you don't judge them, you don't criticize them. You just accept where they are and what they're doing. And that goes for yourself too. I mean, there's mm. self-compassion. There's also compassion for others. And both are really critical to healing and thriving. There is nothing else. You know, that generator is generator of loving energy. And you can't give love and compassion if you're not feeling it for yourself. You're always going to dish out how you're feeling from the inside out. And if we are feeling discongloblated and uh, or angry or painful, we are going to lash out on other people. And that's not what we want because that just pushes people away. So to be passionate and compassionate to yourself first is the first step in the first journey. But then people think they're being too selfish or, yeah. you know, it's, oh no, I've got to suck it up. You know, I'm mom of four kids. I've got to be tough for this. You know, I'm, I'm now both parents and I've got to deal with everything. No, <laughs> it's, that's not the way it's meant to be. No, I think you have to give yourself whatever you're going through. Give yourself some permission. Like when my after my husband died, I gave myself permission to grieve for a year. Not that I wasn't working and doing other mm. things, but just that I was going to not expect myself to be where I had been before he got sick. Right? I was going to allow myself to to grieve, to heal, and then to move back into whatever my new life was going to look like. But when I think of self-compassion, I think of it as just, you know, like if you, you know, we're talking about compassion, but you know, a lot of people understand compassion for a good friend. If your good friend comes to you and says they're going through a really difficult time, you're going to hug them and comfort them and support them. And we need to do the same for ourselves when we go through difficult times or, or even if we're having a bad day. You know, don't judge yourself. Don't criticize yourself. Emotions aren't bad. They're not wrong. Um, I, it's just about accepting that and saying affirmations to yourself that comfort you and so that you can heal and feel good about yourself. And you're right. Then from there, you can feel compassion for other people. Yeah. I think that's one reason we don't have as much compassion. People don't, I think people don't feel it as much for themselves. They don't have a good mm. feeling inside themselves. So it is harder to do it. And if they do show people, people something, a lot of it's pity. Yeah rather than compassion, kind of like, well, I know you're not as good as I am, or, you know, there's a judgment or a criticism to it, rather than a, you know, we're all in this together, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go out, my grandparents used to say, you know, that could be me there, we've lost a lot of that, we think, oh, they don't have an education, or they didn't do this, or they didn't do that, and that's just the antithesis of what we should be doing. You know, we say our arms are long for a reason because they can wrap around ourselves, you know, and it's okay to give yourself a hug. It really is anywhere, anytime. I don't care who's watching. Um, you know, the big C's, compassion, collaboration, commitment, you know, all of those are so very, very important. Willingness to change. Um, but as I said, we've become such a world where we can reach out to anybody anywhere in the world through social media or email or any Zoom or anything else nowadays. And we've become so disconnected to ourselves. And I think that for a long time, we've been chasing an illusion of what we should be or what is important in life. And we're not really stopping to ask ourselves, is society's expectation my expectation of self is what's important to someone else should it be my expectation of what's important or can i make that choice for myself and i think we're just the pipe pipers out there playing the pipe and everybody is sheepishly following yeah. and we, we just have to stop doing the following and start going in pause take the time what's inside of you because all the answers are lying there well, and to have some other good role models, right? Mm. I, I mean, in this country, we really worship success and money. And uh. we think that competition and, you know, tromping on the other person is going to get us there. And it's actually the, yeah. the opposite of what will make yeah. you speak. It is compassion, caring, helping other people that really lifts you up and lifts everyone else up. And I think that we, we, don't, we don't value those people. We don't show them as role models or as superheroes for kids. Yes. They aren't a powerful person who helps someone. I mean, realize the superheroes help someone, but it's usually hitting and kicking and yes. something, you know, awful like that, rather than just simple acts of kindness. Yeah. 
or consideration. And so I think I, I really wish we had some good role models for that. Yeah, um, certainly in the last few years there haven't been there um, and uh, been quite the opposite. Um, that's where it kind of falls back on the parenting, the at home. You know, we don't have control unless we really step up and vote for what goes on in the education, although education needs to radically change. Um, church is meant to be a place of compassion and everyone being there, but it, it doesn't always seem to fit that agenda. Uh, and, you know, anything on social media is very much about comparison. And I think one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to be vulnerable and then to be secure in your vulnerability, to be vulnerable with others. But that means stripping away a whole load of stuff. And some people are just not willing to do that work, are they? No, and let's face it, it's very difficult. In fact, in my Compassion Magic book is the story of my journey, but not that I'm important, but just the idea that me being vulnerable, I hope it will help other people to open up and be vulnerable. Okay, I'm just going to correct you there. Um, it's not that you're not important. You are important. It's your story <laughs> and it reflects on other people's story. You're always important. Okay. Oh, thank you, Sarah. But I mean, I'm not a celebrity and everybody's going to run out and go, oh, let me buy this book about Virginia Sampson. No, I did it. It's honest and it's truly lived and it doesn't have to have 10,000 tweets or, uh, you know, if the book of the month, it, it will be read by those that are ready to read it and honestly wanting to do the work. So, that's one of the loops we're caught in, right? I'm not yeah. important unless I'm a celebrity. Bulderdash. <laughs> no, I, agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And you're right. We do. I do tend to, you know, we all tend to uh, underestimate our accomplishments because we aren't big celebrities. Mm. But the, 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 what I wanted to do in the book was be totally vulnerable. And then uh, that kind of gives other permission to be vulnerable, yes. right? other people permission. And then they can tell their stories because well, someone else has done this or someone else felt this way and it's okay and I can share it because they're not going to judge me, they're not going to criticize me. And so it's just a great book, I think, in that sense to read with groups if you want to be more, if you want to be more connected to them, right? Because you can't help but share your story. And we all need to share our stories. That's partly how we heal. That's yes. partly how we connect with other people. That's one of the powerful things about compassion is it helps us connect with other people. And one of our deepest biological needs is to connect with other people. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously COVID has been one to push us apart and it's been a little bit difficult. So we've had to reach out in other ways. One of the benefits I've seen with all those celebrities, instead of being in the studio, hair, makeup, five minutes of glimmer, glamour, you know, we've seen them on Zoom in their own home, their own makeup, their anything else, and down to earth conversations. Um, so we don't want to go back to the shallow you know, um, other talk show things. We want to go into that depth and peel back because we realize, yes, that they're rich and they're famous. It was really hard for them to get there, hard for them to sustain. And they have numerous problems in their life too, right? Not abstained from it. There isn't a living soul that hasn't gone through something. It's just, what's the magnitude? How do you go through the process? And who are you at the other end? Yes, so true. And, you know, my dad used to say that when we would, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot, but we lived close to a really wealthy area. We would drive out of his houses. And, you know, his kids were like, wow. And he'd go, the only human ill that hides is poverty. Mm. Everything else is in that house. They may yes. not be poor, but as you just said, they have every other human yeah. experience going on in there. Right. They're not shielded from it. And celebrities aren't either. Nope. No, and we've seen plenty of evidence of that. Um do you think people are afraid of compassion? I mean, right now there's the excuse you can't hug anybody because of COVID and everything else, but there's other ways you can, there's plenty of ways you can show compassion. But do you think that um, people are afraid to show that? Afraid that somebody might snap at them or reject them, um, you know, or embarrassed to do it? I mean, why, what is a hang up with showing compassion to one another? I think we see it as a weakness. Mm, I don't um, understand that one. <laughs> no, I don't either. And I think like in my husband's case, people just stopped coming to visit because I think they had to face their own mortality. Yeah. Right. And they just, you know, I, I mean, I finally told him, I didn't think this was about you. I thought this was about my husband. I mean, he's the one that needs visitors. I mean, you, you're just going to have to, you know, it's, it's, it becomes about them rather than you know, this is a person that needs me. What I'm feeling right now, not that you don't want to honor it, but 
the priority is the person that needs our love and care right now. And I think a lot of people when it comes to illness, aging, are just afraid because it means they're going to have to face more their own mortality or see things that are uncomfortable. And I think people don't like to do that. No, I think also we're not taught on how to speak to people in difficult situations. No. I think it should be something that's in the schools. You know, we're going to have people who have loss. We all go, you know, the divorce and change or loss of job or injuries. Loss is a part of life. Dying is a part of life. And we have this whole stigma against dying where, you know, I've interviewed a number of people that are deaf, deaf midwives. So they help people in the crossing over and the grieving with the families and it's the honor their life as we celebrate when they come into the world yeah. and we've got this thing about death and we've we've got this thing about illness I've, a lot of i think is people just don't know what to say and they don't want to end up saying the wrong thing because yeah, the, yeah that is a huge part of it is like but what do i say i mean do I make light of it? Do I ask him how he's doing? I, you know, I don't really know what to do. And I think that's a lot of the reason why people don't, don't step up. No. And I think just, you have to just listen to your heart. What does your heart tell you to do? And I, somebody said that to me the other day, I want to go visit my friend. What I do, I go, listen, showing up is 99% of it. Yes. You really don't need to say anything. You just right. need to show up and be there. And I've noticed with people who are grieving, Sometimes just showing up and not even saying anything, just putting your, holding their hand or putting your hand on their arm, everything starts spilling out of them. Yeah. It's just very powerful. So we don't, we don't need to say things. And I do think we're afraid, what should we say? What will we do wrong? And I think, you know, when somebody's dying like that, but it, like my kids went through something, I'll still don't understand this. Like my kids were in school and they were kind of, my two middle kids were kind of troublemakers and None of their teachers were really kind to them, and they all knew what they were going through. I mean, yes. one of them told my youngest daughter she would never amount to anything. She was a loser. She's a terrible person. Um, and all the time, knowing what we were going through, and I'd have to go to these schools to meetings. I don't want to cry right now, but these people were, these teachers were terrible to my kids. And they go, oh, they start with, oh, I know you're going through a really difficult time, but. Yeah. And I realize they're not a social agency, but I think just a few kind words could have gone really a long way. I mean, obviously, kids are acting out their grief. I mean, they don't know how to express it like we right. do. Mm -hmm. And so I think just recognizing that and not judging them or criticizing them for it, because the more you get on them, the more they're going to act out. And yeah, because and there's what, an injustice there. Yes. Right. Yes. Of course, they're going to react to that. Um, yes. I was in boarding school and my dad died when I was 11 and I went back to boarding school and, you know, I said, my dad had died and some, you know, these kids thought I had lied and I kind of, the momentum went about, you're a liar, you're a liar, pants on fire, you know, all of that type of thing. Oh, wow. And one day a teacher took me out of morning prayers, you know, the morning um, prayers and everything we did with the principal and apparently the principal ripped one up the other and down the other side with all the kids about their lack of compassion and I never heard another word from the kids again after that mind if they try did try and dig a hole and plant me in it as a weed but you know, oh that, was, that was different but it's I think they don't realize how mean they are how inconsiderate they are because if we're not teaching how to be compassionate how to be you know how to empathize with people how to respect that someone is going through a bad time and if we can't help them at least be kind yeah when we don't teach that in school and it doesn't seem to be something that's taught much in homes anymore you know and it's yeah. it, i think um, that should be at the top of the curriculum be nice to each other respect you don't have to agree you don't even have to like but you can be respectful. No, just simple acts of kindness. And I do think I'm not, I'm not advocating for organized religion, but I do think when people, we had more organized religion, those are some of the values that you would get. Like I did, I know I got in Sunday school and in church and I'm not saying everybody lived by them hundred percent of right. the time, but they were messages like your principal yes. said, they were messages that would get you to think about and maybe recenter with being compassionate, being kind. We don't leave anyone doing that now because so many people aren't going to church anymore. Mm -hmm. um, where are we getting those messages from? There's really nothing that's picked up the slack from organized religion that was at least, you know, you would you would go there and realize, yes, I may not be doing it, but the message is I need to be kind, I need to be compassionate. 
not judge. I think we're, we have a big hole right now where that where that that void has not been filled. Well, judgment, you know, judge you yet not be uh, yourself judged. Um, I think that is something that happens very, very early. And that is because they see parents judging each yeah. other and everybody else around them and they busy talk about them or they judge the child. And you see, you know, the child goes and just does what parents do. And we are not here to judge one another. We have no right. Now, we, we can comment to an action. We can hold people accountable to an action, but we can't judge them because we haven't walked in their shoes. We don't know, you know, why they're like that. But at the same time, also, they do need to take ownership of that action or ownership of those words. People think words don't hurt. Oh, my God, they do. Oh, they're never no. forgotten. Never forgotten. No, they're very powerful. And, and I agree. They do need to. You know, we don't we don't need to judge them. I do think they should be accountable for how they act on their yeah. emotions. But again, we don't know what they're going through. Right. And I think sometimes when you're ready to judge somebody, or criticize them, think you think about that. You know, how would I be if I how do I know? Like with my husband, was, I don't want I this sounds like a judgment, but he was very angry when mm -hmm. he was sick. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so glad you're here taking care of me. And this is wonderful. I'm home. And, you know, he was very angry. And he took it out on me and the kids. And I would, when I, I really realized early on that I had to say to myself, how do I know how I would be if I was the one sitting in that chair watching my life ebb away? Yeah. Watching everything happen and I'm totally helpless. And so whenever I would feel that kind of anger well up, I would, I would say that to myself. And that really, if you see somebody acting out or doing something, if you say that to yourself, it's very powerful. It really does bring you back to a place of compassion. Because you don't know how you would be. When you judge somebody, you're assuming, oh, I'd be handling it a lot better. Would you? That's a yeah. pretty big assumption because you're not there. Right. And and so, one only knows when you've landed in that. And, you know, you know, may, nobody have to be facing things like that. But we're, we're always going to have to face something in life. And we are judged on how we face it and how we react to it. But we're judged by humanity. We're judged by ourselves. But we're also judged by the powers that be. Um, but I think we have to look at uh, our own judgment because we beat ourselves up, oh. you know, and it's punish ourselves, persecute ourselves. And it's like, stop already. Stop already. You, you want compassion and understanding from other people? Well, it starts with you for you. It really does, because I know my, my mother was very critical. And it's not a judgment of her. That's the way she yeah, grew up. Right. But exactly. Very critical. And, you know, you never could do anything right. And you, it was wrong. And. <laughs> You know, you kind of grow up with this just feeling of guilt and failure your whole life. And I can still find myself, and that's part of what I think the self-compassion does, you still find yourself repeating those messages mm -hmm. to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I just, uh, well, I tell everyone to just stop and listen for 10 minutes. So what are you really saying to yourself? I can still, I still catch myself doing a lot and then I have to stop. But, you know, you'll make a mistake and before you know it, you spun it into this whole thing in your head of, you're a terrible person and you're not worthy. And, you know, you have to, we have to learn to stop that. We really do internalize so much of that. And it's so destructive to our physical and emotional health, to all of our well-being. And as you said, to how we, how we come out into the world. Yes. Right. If you're judging and you're hateful towards yourself, what are you portraying to the rest of the world? What are you giving the rest of the world? Yeah. That's what you're projecting out to everyone. And, you know, those words, I mean, if we recorded ourselves and then played it back, and went, oh, my oh. God. I wouldn't send that to anyone. Why have I said it to myself? Right? So it's, when it's silent in the mind and it says something, you feel it doesn't have any power. When it's spoken out loud and you have to own it, you've said it, now it's like it's in your face. So, you know, I'm always, um, as, a, as a coach, always um, encourage people to have those conversations taped in front of a mirror. And then see how your mirror feels, you know, being called that. Being judged well, in I that think way. We, we think it's normal. I mean, I just thought that's how everybody talks yeah, to themselves. I, I didn't even yeah. think there was. Any, I thought that's just how you talk to yourself. And you're right. Well, if I don't, this is supposed to be character building, right? Well, I thought yes. eventually I thought, well, this is building my character. Why do I feel so crappy all the time? Right. You're kind of right. <laughs> what kind of character are you building? Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't really do that. No. And I think when you start, you start listening to it, you realize, yeah, all I'm doing is tearing myself down. That's yes. not helping anyone. No, no, and. I think, you know, just hit on a big word, no, you know, is uh, 
when you hear yourself saying that, just say, no, I'm not interested in you voice. You know, when people want more from you than you're able to give right now, no, sorry, unable to right now. You know, um, we become martyrish, you know, I'm a huge victim of that. Um, we become martyrish and sacrifice ourselves and our own feelings and everything else to, to please others at our own expense. And it's like, I'm tired of being strong. Yeah. Right. And, and you get to a point where I haven't got the strength for me, never mind for you. And you have to shut down and really do that work and rejuvenate yourself. And then know your boundaries when you come out the other side and what to say no to and say no without any apology or without any guilt. Yes, I think people pleasing is not the same as being compassionate. We kind of confuse those two, yeah. right? The people pleasing comes from an unhealthy place in us. Yes. Um, and they need to be liked, they need to have every, you know, whatever it may be. Whereas compassion is not, comes not no. from an unhealthy place. So they're very different. And I think we kind of confuse those two. If, oh, I don't help this person, then I'm not being kind or compassionate. Setting boundaries is self-compassion. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so you, when you get to a healthy place, I think you're, you just kind of know what's what's a healthy way of helping and what's an unhealthy way of helping yes we don't want people to be codependent on us i mean what we want to do is is help people stand back up feel yes. confident in their own steps let them know that you're there if they feel wobbly or they're going to fall but we can't walk it for them and, you know we could be their cheerleader be their sounding board sometimes be their advice or mirror up what um, what they're saying to themselves, but ultimately we're there to help them stand on their own two feet. And we can do that compassionately. This thing, tough love, you know, I, I don't understand how love has to be tough. Tough, you know, love is compassion. It's caring, it's warmth, it's fluidity. Um, firm love, I'll go with, but not tough. <laughs> because I think, I think compassion is setting boundaries. And I yeah. think that's that you know, when they say tough love to me, I, you know, it's the first time I thought, gosh, that's an oxymoron. But yeah, I think it, I think what you know, what I've taken that to mean is that you're going to set boundaries on what you're going to do for them for their good and for your good, yes, right? You can't, like you said, it's you can't be codependent, you can't solve all their problems, you can't take it all on. And we women seem to want to do that, we seem to want to fix everything, yes. I know I've been a fixer, you know, I'm going to fix this or fix yes. that, and even with my kids, I had to really learn to separate myself out from that because I was doing too much for them and then they're not going to grow and yeah. learn the things that they need to do and become the person that they want to be. So I had to really step back from that too, especially when my husband was sick after he was sick, felt so guilty about the whole situation. I think I was way overdoing it. Yes. You know, trying to force them to do this or that to heal and connect and support them. And it was just, I was way over the top. I really had to step back. For my sake and their sake and so i think you know those boundaries are really important yeah and and the grieving process is this not one size fits all no or even one you know set amount of time some people may appear that they've gone through the grieving quickly and it will hit them later at a different time period other people are really immersed in it for a long time where the difficulty is with with grieving is you've got to grieve to go through the process not to get stuck in it and, yeah. you know, and that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck in the grieving, in the sorrow, in the pain, and they don't know how to move through it. We want you to feel it, feel the grief to move through, you know, back into living and life again, not to stay there. And that's a danger that we have to be aware of, isn't it? Yes. And I think the community can help with that. Yeah. Because I think one reason you get stuck is you you get into why me and you kind of look around and everybody's doing so well and here you are without a husband or without your your best friend or whatever it may be and then you get all angry yeah right and so you can kind of stay stuck in the anger phase too of like and then when people try to be nice to you, you're like well you know you you have everything you know and you just get into that whole bad cycle yeah and i think people reaching out to you in a compassionate way and then you being compassionate with yourself to say first of all it's okay to be angry Yep. You feel like it's wrong, but it's not. And, um, you know, that's what I found with compassion. It kind of healed me to be able to rejoin the world because I was really bitter and angry. And I, I just didn't want to be any part of it. And then just slowly you start to heal when you forgive yourself. Because let's face it, you're not a perfect caregiver. You're not a perfect mother. 
You're not a perfect person. Yeah. And, you know, we there is no such thing as perfection. Right. Why are you putting that pressure on you? There's nothing that's perfect out there. Everything has a beautiful flaw. So you're flawsome. Yes. Oh, I love that. But so anyway, so you, yeah, I think you have to, yeah, you do work through that. You're so right. I think that's where people get stuck and you yeah. don't ever totally get over it. Somebody, I like this analogy. One friend said it, your, your heart always has a hole in it, yeah. but the edges are smooth, not yes. rough anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, but you can move on to live. And even now I can cry if certain things happen out of the blue, yeah. you know, certain things can happen. And my husband's been gone for a long time. So, um, but I think that's very important. Yes, the greeting is important. And I went to a grief group at the church that I went to at the time. And that really helped me just being with people who knew what I was going through. Uh, and like sometimes I would go for the hour. I would just cry for the whole hour. Right. And nobody judged you. Okay. Yeah. You know, she's no, having it's a safe place. And, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think if you're going through a difficult time, finding people that are going through that really helps because you feel more comfortable to be vulnerable with them. Right. Back to that vulnerability which is the grace, the gift to yourself. Um, you know, you had a kind of a double grieving. Yes, the grieving of losing him. But you that three years, you know, if, if somebody dies in a car accident or a sudden heart attack or suddenly it's a shock and you go through the grieving, but when somebody is sick over a long period of time and you know that it's only going to go one way, it really makes it a lot more painful because part of you kind of wishes can we can it be over yet and then you feel guilty as hell for doing it but there should be no guilt there because there is no end in sight and it's just a battle every day and especially when the other person is fighting you and everyone else because of it so yeah. you have that double grieving of the loss of him but also of post-traumatic stress of what you went through and being his caregiver as well yeah, I think as I look back on it, I did. It was really, because you can't, when you're a caregiver, and I know there's a lot of people out there are caregivers now, you you don't have time. You can't do the self-compassion, right? Because you just don't have any time. You're running from one thing to the next 24-7. And with ALS, they don't sleep, insomnia. They have insomnia. So it kind of, when, it, when he was gone, it just all comes crashing down. All those emotions that you've buried for the last three years, um, yeah, just, overwhelm you and so it's okay to spend them and it's okay to grieve um, it's okay to let it go and it's okay years down the road to still feel them because it was a loss a double loss so but in getting yourself back is where the priority is because you are still alive with still things to do in your case writing two books so the compassionate book which your story and um, how people can be compassionate which you know I just feel there's is the big C word that we need to have there above everything out there in the world. I don't like the word competition. Um, I think it belongs to sports and um, criticism. You can critique someone, but being critical can be judgmental. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm all into collaboration. You know, collaboration is the very, very important one. Um, and I think if we could step up and do more of that collaboration, we would be so much more compassionate towards one another and understanding each other's needs and be able to step up in, in a meaningful purpose that makes a difference in the lives of others but we've got to be willing to do it though nobody else can do it for us so your book is one of those things that can guide people through that process uh, whatever they're going through because sorrow is sorrow grieving is grieving even the anger side of it is is you know whether it's a loss of somebody or loss of something else it just helps people go through it because you're reflecting on things that they have maybe not yet seen in themselves. Well, and I think compassion has a whole bunch of other positive emotions. And one of them, what you were talking about, that how you feel going through that is forgiveness, right? It's okay to forgive yourself. And I think we feel we're narcissistic if we say nice yes. things or if we let ourselves off easily. That, that's really not true. That's yeah. not narcissism. It's just being kind to yourself. And so when you when you were saying you get overwhelmed by these emotions and a lot of it is anger and disappointment in yourself, it really is part of the healing process to forgive yourself and forgive others. Yes. Um, and I, you know, one of my big irritants is people that hold grudges, right? I mean, what a waste I don't of time. understand that. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. waste of time, it's yeah. a waste of energy, and yeah. it's a bar. It prevents you from connecting with other people and connecting with yourself. You spend all this energy on being angry. Yes. And so you really do need to learn to forgive. I think that goes along with compassion because if you can't forgive yourself and other people, you can't be compassionate for them, right? No. no. And, you know, forgiveness is 
why do I need to forgive them? They did this, they did that, right? You're not condoning what they did. You're forgiving them, the person, for the action that they did. You're also releasing yourself from the victimization, mm. right? And if we don't remove ourselves from the victimization by forgiving, now your healing starts. But if you're still carrying that gradual, unwilling to forgive, you're going to stay a victim. Whatever I have thought about that. That's a great point. Yeah. So who are you hurting now? You, not them anymore. You. Well, and you forgive them, but, and there may be people you forgive and you decide, I don't really want that person to be such a big part of my life. There's nothing wrong with that. No, you can forgive and goodbye. Yeah. Forgive yeah. and forget, you know, I, yeah. I forgive you, but I just don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. Um, I was watching Trevor Noah's, uh, you know, daily show last night and he had somebody on that had been incarcerated for 18 years in um, seclusion for 18 years oh my God. and he at the age of 13 14 had shot a, a woman in the face he was part of a gang but he was so young but anyway he went to jail he eventually came out i'm not quite sure the circumstances there and he reached out to her to apologize and she reached out to him and said i want to know you and they've mm -hmm. they've formed a bond and this isn't the first time i've heard this whereas you know, it was all those years ago. The, he's most certainly received his punishment. She's still alive. And if you can't forgive that action, you're not recognizing that someone can change. Now, not yeah. everybody can change because it has to be a free will. You have to be willing to work on yourself to change. But when somebody's put that time into change, why do we still keep punishing them for something they did way back then? Right? Forgive. Yeah. Let it go. Doesn't mean you forget. You can forget them, but don't, it doesn't mean you forget because that becomes your warning signal for anything else. But if you're going to stay in that grudge and that bitterness, and I've seen it in my own family, it yeah. eats away at you. They've robbed you of your life and you decided to be a victim. They, they're gone already. They're already on to someone else. Right? So, yeah. That's so true. I hadn't thought about that in terms of being a victim, but it's so true. You do become the victim then of whatever they've done to you. Yes. And you can so easily get into that role forever. Yeah, absolutely. And some people do it for attention. Woe is me, right? Um, and if you're needing that attention, it's because you're not spending that attention on yourself. We can't escape the attention we need to put on ourselves. We can't escape that, can we? No, because that really does heal us and help us grow. Yeah. Like a child. A child isn't going to grow if they don't get love and kind words and compassion. And it's the same with us. You know, we have an inner child too, but especially oh, yes. if you can get that growing up, then you're you're not going to be able to become who you want to be or who you, you know, you feel you want to become if you don't show yourself that love and compassion. Or believe in yourself. Yes, you can yes. do it. You don't know until you try. You know, don't sell yourself short. You are important. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I, and yeah, I think, and they've, they've been doing a lot of research in the science of compassion at universities all over the world. Mm -hmm. And they are finding that it's one of the key qualities to succeeding really in every area of your life. Absolutely. Relationships, professional, your health has tremendous health benefits. I, I start to think that maybe that's why we have seen so many illnesses, so many autoimmune diseases that are related to inflation, yeah. so, uh, inflammation, because they said that um, compassion actually uh, uh, activates your vagus nerve, which reduces inflation. It lowers your blood pressure, um, your heart rate. It's very, and it releases oxytocin, which mm. is kind of a feel-good hormone. So all of these things, there's a huge mind-body connection. We tend to think yes. of ourselves as mind and body. There's a huge connection, and compassion really fuels and heals our body. Yes. You know, I, I did a show um, last week on... Um, you know, a brainology in, in, in a sense is that the brain is our mechanics. It is what makes everything work. It's why I can move my hands right now. The brain is, is the nerve endings that gets everything to move. The programming is in the mind. And everybody's concentrating on the mind and releasing the mind, releasing past pains and this and that. But if the brain is out of sync and not firing properly, it affects the discord in a, a, and the performance of the body. So sometimes when we're looking at the body, and you go, I've got this health problem. You mean we want to go to what we think is the root of the problem, drug it, band-aid it, whatever, operate on it, where it could simply be that the brain is out 
of sink and not releasing the right ingredients into our body and having that compassion is one of those because it calms the brain down it's part of that equilibrium it has things firing properly so yes we do have to see ourselves from head to toe inside and out yes and i think i think finally we're getting away from that i think people are starting to see ourselves as more integral you know i mean I think the you know people here are practicing yoga more and some yeah. meditation and things like that that are becoming a little bit more mainstream that certainly weren't when I was growing up. Right. No. And I think that's a recognition that we do the mind and body are connected and that when we soothe the mind, we're going to help heal the body. I think that's really powerful. Yes. It and is. Um, even just practicing it a little bit, this, uh, they say people meditate actually can change the chemistry in their brain in positive oh, yeah. ways. Yes. So and in a meditation, it doesn't have to be cross-legged and humha. No. You know, it it can you you could be riding your bike out, taking the dog for a walk, you know, taking a swim, uh, whatever calms you down and centers you, takes you to that inner place, um, and you know we need to actually be able to meditate even amongst the chaos because if we only do it in quiet silent places that's the only time we know how to access it if we can find our meditative state amongst the noise then we know we always can go into that calm state no matter what's going on around us oh i i couldn't agree with that more and i think one that's one reason that kept me from doing it for a long time is well i thought i can't really sit there that long and and then i thought well i keep getting all these kind of bad thoughts I don't mean like you know yeah. horrible you know bad thoughts yeah. about myself or this or that but the idea is just to let those pass through you yes you don't yeah. have just don't let them get stuck in your head you're going to have those thoughts that doesn't mean you're not meditating properly or not getting a benefit from it it's just let them pass yes you know? they're and releasing they're releasing yeah. right? they're leaving yeah bye-bye <laughs> and I think another piece that we really struggle with in our world is mindfulness right being yeah. present in the moment yeah. right because we're so focused on, we're so getting busy, uh, you know, chastising ourselves for things that we've done or focusing on what we're going to do next, that being present is so powerful and very healing. Yes. I mean, it's really, that's when you connect with people too. You're vulnerable and you're present and we create very powerful connections with ourselves, with others, but that itself is very healing. Just focusing yeah, it, on where we are right now and what we're doing. Yeah, the gift of the present is in the now. Um, and it, it now is all you've got. Now, yeah. if you look after to now and you're seeding and watering and nurturing, those seeds will grow tomorrow, which will be your other now. So, you know, yes, we can, we can plan or water or seed or aim for tomorrow, but you're not meant to live in tomorrow because it's what you do today that's going to get you to tomorrow. And if you're still living in yesterday, dragging it along with you, it's weighing you down. You can't be present and you're nowhere going to get near to tomorrow. <laughs> so. Oh, I love that. And I think that's where the forgiveness comes in. Just forgive yes. yourself for what you've done or you think you've done. You can be present. And I love that watering the seeds for tomorrow. I think a lot of that's cultural, right? We're yes. trained to achieve, achieve. Yes. Oh, we're going to get the next degree or we're going to get the next promotion or we're going to get the next raise. And that's just so unhealthy for us in many ways. I think it's it back will to that competitive. Like you plant the seeds. Yeah, that's back to the competitive thing. I've got to be important. I've got to have a big job with big money and a big house and a big car and flashy because that's the only way I'm going to count. And that, again, is balderdash. No, you know, how many people I've interviewed that bought into that and said it was the heart attack or the divorce or losing everything or the cosmic two by four um, where they had to literally start all over again. And they were so grateful of it because this time, they did it from their calling, their meaningful purpose, and they didn't buy into that package that's being sold. That's delusional and illusional because yeah. nobody's meant to live like that. Not happily, right? Oh, gosh. No, I think that's why they need more and more and more because there's no sense of fulfillment from anything inside or from the relationships. Yeah, the, you know, you've heard the terminology avocado, uh, avocado toasts. Um, you know, the millennials that would rather go out and spend $15 on an avocado toast and enjoy each day in company, etc., than trying to save up to buy a house that's going to be forever out of their reach. Right? <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I think they've kind of got the message is that, yes, you can work hard, go and do something you love, but it's about play. It's about community. You know, my 
my one daughter's just had a baby six weeks today um yeah i know my first grandson mm, i just had the weekend with him Ooh, so nice um but she's uh, she went back to school at 27 um her husband's a, a wonderful support they've got their house because more of, of what he had and um, the building and the sensibility but now they're at the other end of the things they're sacrificing the avocado toast so to speak right because you know the house has taken all the money but they've got that security for their kid my other daughter is one that spreads her wings and flies all over the world um she's gone three months of the year in the winter exploring different worlds except for this last covid year and she would rather go out and enjoy life in the moment in now than be putting it away saving up for that rainy day that may never come so yeah. we've priced our children out of the market so you're going to see an awful lot of rentals <laughs> or market come down one or the other because they're getting out there and living and i think they're a great example to all of us is that we've lived our lives what we thought was sensible mm-hmm. doing, doing the duty you know at the sacrifice of ourselves because that's what being a mum was and now it's like, you know, as my daughter said, I haven't changed. I'm no different. I've just got a responsibility. <laughs> so it is it is that we could learn from them just to lighten up and just go out and enjoy life and the moment and, and be engaged in the day. Right. No, I know. And they really do connect to nature, to yes. other people when they yes. do that. And you know, which, which we, you know, because they're out in the community, they're out doing things, they're meeting, they're enjoying. Yes. And, you know, I seem, I think we seem to think that relationships have to last forever. You can have a momentary fulfilling relationship. You oh, yes. Work with somebody you may never meet again, but that doesn't yes. mean you don't connect with them. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. They seem to get that where we don't, we're thinking, well, is this person really going to be around in five yeah. years? And, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. They're just, like, I agree, they're just more in the moment. And I think they're much less lonely. Um, when they do live like that. And, you know, they say loneliness is one of the, is equivalent to smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day. I mean, it's just, it's one of our big afflictions in the Western world right now is the level of loneliness and the intensity of the loneliness that we feel. And they seem to know how to connect with each other in ways that, you know, as older adults could learn from, I think. Yeah, most certainly. You know, and the thing about loneliness, you know, for some people, especially elderly, they're stuck inside. Um, Maybe they can't get out and walk about and do things. Um, So then we as a community should be there for them. This is where they should rally around and I'll go and get her groceries. I will go and do this. I'll go and do that. I'll pop in for tea and we can rotate it. But, you know, just that's the kindness and the compassion for someone else. Because, yeah, I've done a number of shows on loneliness and uh but there is loneliness in a crowd you yes. could be you could be lonely in a crowd where you just don't feel anybody's hearing you or seeing you so don't just go out and be with people for the sake of being with people find your tribe that's in your groove and yes it is about it. connecting with people even if and for some people they're lonely you know they're fine with one person other people need 10 people it yeah. really is very specific to the person what you need to not feel lonely. And I think this goes down to the, the, the elderly goes down. Remember you said neighborhoods where you yes. go chat with your neighbor. If you yes. have an elderly the neighbor, fence. you go see yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're missing a lot of that. Yes. I mean, the elderly people are, get isolated now because they don't know their neighbors and we're not out talking to them. And I think that's true of everybody. I mean, young moms are lonely. You know, they're, they're home with babies all day. So yes. I think it's just a real, it cuts across every spectrum. There was a wonderful, um, I don't know if it was a YouTuber or or an advertisement, but it's a woman in an elevator coming up to her apartment and trying to say hello to everyone, but they're all on their phones. And so she she took her table and chairs and put it out in the hallway and knocked on everyone and said, potluck, (laughs) everybody coming with a bite of food and everyone getting to know each other. And sometimes you just got to reach out but you know it's don't talk to me you could be a stranger no not everybody's a serial killer you know or out to get you and how are you going to know who is what if you never communicate with people in the flesh that it's always by the phone use the phone to set up an appointment for you all to get together there is something about being physically present and i would say don't be discouraged people aren't necessarily going to respond the first time you Mm -hmm. reach out to them like i've been trying to organize a block party in my neighbors and 
we get a few takers and we get a few more takers, but it is a process. People yes. are, I don't know whether they feel like you're going to like knock on their door every day and want to pour out your heart. I can't quite figure out what the reticence is. Right. But I think that, you know, if you start doing that, you're going to get people who aren't going to be very receptive, but that's all right. They will come around and if they don't, that's okay. Other people will join in. Yeah. And I think that's part of reaching out to people and connecting with them. Not everybody's going to want to do it, but that's okay. And don't take it like I used to take it as a personal rejection. Right? Yes. It's just not their time right now. It's just Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they're in a bad space, whatever it may be. But that shouldn't stop us from continuing to try to connect with people no. and reach out to them. So let's talk about Sam, which is my brother's name, by the way. Very good name. <laughs> Saves his family. How does he save his family? Well, first of all, unfortunately, in the English language, it has to be him or her, but it's gender neutral and racially diverse. So Sam um, is very angry at his parents uh, because he doesn't feel like they pay enough attention to him. They're always busy. They're always tired from work. And then he whines and he acts out. And then one day at the dinner table, he decides to listen to them and he realizes, oh, my parents are just really busy. They're really tired. It's not that they don't yeah. want to spend time yeah. with me, right? And so then he starts doing things to help them. It helps his mom do the dishes or helps with the yard. And then his parents first start criticizing him, right? Because isn't that what we all do? Oh, yes. they're making You're more not work. doing it right. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then they realize, no, this is the time to spend time. And so his family yes. kind of gets transformed into enjoying spending time with each other, which translates into, into being having more time together, but also enjoying the time they have together. Yeah. And so his mom says he's a superhero because he's kind and thoughtful and caring. So she makes him a costume and he's superhero sing. Excellent, I love that. And those are, the, that we can all be a superhero, every single yes. one of us, right? We don't need the cape, we don't need the boots, we don't need the weapons. Um, we do need that kindness and compassion and consideration. And you see it all the time on, on Facebook or other mediums where a, a kid give, you know, giving their pocket money to a homeless person or, paying for somebody's meal or doing something and that compassion is in them but if we don't bring it out in them we, that's where the kind of narcissism starts it starts in the forgotten child who doesn't feel ever heard or seen or listened to um it feel and and it's a child that is still operating on me myself and i and my survival and everybody's out to get me and if we don't teach that compassion young and how to be kind and compassionate and considerate and not judge people if we can't teach them right that from young they're going to be those dysfunctional adults later so true yeah and kids are they've discovered that they are innately compassionate yes. some more than others yes but that we can't you're right we can't squelch it yes i mean they, we we need to help them develop it and even if they're not or even if we're not particularly compassionate they've discovered that compassion can be learned it is a learned yes. quality. It's not like a quality you either are or you aren't. Yeah. It's something that you can learn and you can develop in children and in adults. So, yeah, I mean, you know, teaching our children ends up teaching us. Yes. Right. And um, there's so many wonderful stories that when you're reading it to your child, there is that message that they're going to get, but there's the message you're going to get. And it's like, mm, yes, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> you know? yes. Yes. So I think be willing to learn from your kids is is one. And, and they know how to be in the moment, don't they? They're oh. very much in the now. Yes. And they know how to be vulnerable. They're not afraid to say what they feel or express their emotions or yes. They, we can learn so much from them. I don't understand why doing chores is something that's such, you know, that is, oh, no, we can't get our kids to do that. That That's slavery. No, they live there. If, you know, if if they're learning to, to pick up, to clean, to vacuum, to do dishes, take out the garbage, all of that type of thing, it's part of the duties of running a home. And that means when they do leave the nest, they're going to know how to do it better or they're going to know how to do it better in, in, in their own relationships. Uh, why is it that, oh, no, 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 it, it's all mum's job. And then mum's tired and bitter and hasn't got time for them. Well, mum will have more time for them if everybody pitches in. Yes, yes. And that's the part of the message of this book. And yes, I agree. And, you know, they want kids want to help. Yes. They really do want to help. And that's yes. the thing we want, we wait till they're like 12 or 13 <laughs> when we think they can help. You have to start them young because, you know, yes, they're not going to do it right. But it's the point to have them do it right or to yeah. show them, to spend time with them, to connect with them. I mean, I think we parents need to step back and say, 
do I really just need to get this done or is this part of the learning process of my child and connecting with them? Yeah. And there's more to this than just, you know, getting the kitchen floor swept or the dishes washed. Right, right. And it, and it's not about that, you know, perfection or the way you're doing it. It's the fact that they are doing it. You can always teach them how to do it another way. You know, oh, that's excellent. You know, how about we try it this way and see if it's quicker for you or this for you and they'll adapt. Right. Just don't tell them you've done it wrong. You know, because oh, immediately, gosh. you know, that's talk about putting a full stop in their spirits and I don't want to do it at all now. And, you know, 13 and 12, way too late. They're yeah. surly. I call it the exorcist time when the head starts spinning around. You know, uh, you're about to go through some rocky roads with your teenagers. This is not the time to teach them how to do anything like that. That's what everybody wants them to start doing it. In fact, I've been trying to find some community service to do with my grandkids, but you can't do anything until they're 14. And then it's kind of too late to plant the seed. Right. right. So I, it's, a, it's kind of it's very difficult to find things that you can do to teach them help that other people need help and to be compassionate because um, you know let's face it we're all kind of isolated in our communities these days COVID or not and we don't you know mingle with people who are from different circumstances than us so I think that's one reason we have trouble with entitled children right they think yes. that they don't have to do anything in the house right everybody's here to serve them and they don't recognize that there's a lot of people out there that don't have what they have mm. so you can tell them that but nothing's as powerful as seeing it yes of being a but part I think of that taps into their natural compassion. I think automatically they feel compassionate when they see a person in need, but we can't tell them that they're like, oh gosh, another thing my parents are telling me. Well, you know, um, how many very rich people who have been entitled have suddenly fallen and right down the ladder and uh, they've fallen a lot harder because they weren't compassionate, because they weren't considerate because they didn't reach out and plant seeds for others. Um, they just took, 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 and then that taking got back in their face and off they fell. And now they're rock bottom and they've got to come back up again. But what they've got to go through is that forgiveness from everyone else that who they walked on to get to the top without that respect and consideration. Yeah, and they don't have too many people reaching out their hands. I'm not saying that that's right, but I'm saying, you know, when you're like that, you're kind of down at the bottom there by yourself. You got to figure it out. You got yourself there. <laughs> you get yeah. yourself up. When you're standing up and your hand is out giving to other people, I'll be there for you. Right? But yeah. Um, do you feel that COVID has, has changed society in a lot? Yes, we've kind of, we've obviously had to go in. We're all longing to go out. I think that when we are let out again, people are dying for a hug you know mm. dying to dying for that connection and that laughter and that face to face and the human flesh the touch um do you, f you think that we there will be more respect and and passion and uh, and love for each other that we can continue on or do you think that's going to die out and people are going to go back to the bad ways well, I think people feel more vulnerable now, and that's always good, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're vulnerable, you know, this could happen to me, kind of. I guess. Yes. Some people feel like this could never happen to them, or this is only for other people, trials and tribulations. So I think that's really good. I hope some part of that remains. I think some part of the vulnerability will remain because people were very scared and realizing that this could impact their life. Yeah. And I hope that's going to keep them a little bit more humble and a little more vulnerable. I do think we're going to kind of go back to a lot of the regular ways, but I think we've planted a deep seed with that. Right. Yes. Um, and, and, it's, and it's up to us to keep that seed watered and nurtured. Um, there'll be some people who will never see it grow um, because they're not a part of that nurturing and others that will nurture and water it well and it will grow very quickly. But, you know, that shift has begun. Yeah. And, and this is what we need to encourage. And it starts with our children. First, no, it starts with you. Find the compassion and the love for yourself. Heal yourself. Bring that beautiful, loving compassion to your children. Empower them to be powerful in their own lives by contribution, by compassion, by kindness, by sharing. And that is going to you know, seed and water a beautiful human being into one that really wants to share and give and be of service to the world. Yes, this yeah, comes up I every time. They'll, <laughs> they'll feel the magic of it and that will grow. Yes, I think for sure. And also, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Just asking the grocery store clerk, how are you? Yes. Today? I mean, yes. I have heard 
stories when you just ask how they are not you know i mean people will pour their heart out to you yeah just be waiting for someone to say that they cared other than scanning your groceries i mean it doesn't have to be anything huge start very small and do what you feel comfortable with and you you know it's like a they say it's like a pebble in the pond that's that ripples out it has a very powerful effect just one small act of kindness so i would encourage people don't don't get you know freaked out or oh my gosh just just show some kindness that simple act of kindness are very powerful very and sometimes somebody just needs to say something or get it off their chest you know um and have somebody listen just have somebody listen you know one of the greatest gifts you can give your yourself and other people is time right taking the time to to listen to hear to just be there um as you said you know somebody coming over making the cup of tea or lunch or dinner or pouring you a drink and just being there right just being there just being present um that can go an awful long way but i love the fact you've made little sam the superhero of his contribution because that i think is i often say that when you walk into a into a big business and you look at it or you look at a hotel if you walk in and you find dirt everywhere uh, you're going to go, what kind of sleazy place is this, right? But if you walk in and it's all nice and clean and pristine, you think, oh, this is wonderful. I can really stay here. Well, what about the cleaning crew? Does anybody ever applaud them? Does anybody ever um, recognize them? Because you're not going to stay at that hotel if it's dirty. You're going to walk right out. So they set the stage for life. And I think the cleansiness is a good approach to have on all aspects of our lives, but also to not judge people, the janitor, the low life. No, they yeah. set your stage for you, for you to thrive in. And if you don't show appreciation, then clean your own stage. <laughs> well, and I think we have an attitude now where they're paid for what they do, but does that mean we can't say thank you? Exactly. Like when I stay at a hotel, if I see the maid in the hall, you should yeah. say hello and I should say thank you. Yes. Because, you know, I, I mean, yes, they're paid, but we're all paid. We still have yes. to be yes. that we it's do. Acknowledgement. Right? Just acknowledge. Yes. Yeah, acknowledge what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's very powerful. I try to think of myself like I, it's kind of maybe a little silly, but like I put my compassion cap on in the morning. And what, this is when we could go out you know, before COVID. But the idea was my goal was to be kindly compassionate to the people I met, not to get everything done on my to do list or. Yes. You know, that was my number one goal. And whenever I would start to stray, I would kind of try to remember this hat on my head that reminded me, be compassionate. So I thought of my compassion cap. I would wear it and that would frame my interactions for the day. I'm not saying I was perfect, but I think that's a good way to do it. If you set your mind, your intention for the day, because we get so focused on getting everything done and running around and accomplishing all these things. You know, just being kind to the people you interact with is a great, great, great way to spend your day. Even if somebody is being nasty to you. Yes right is just show compassion back and it's not what they expect right but you're showing compassion back are you having a bad day you know um then they're expecting to get a rise of anger out of you because that makes them feel good if you instead turn around with loving compassion it kind of definitely throws them off um but at the same time it just you know that little shift that few seconds shift in them of compassion you know, why should be compassionate, you know, uh, and it feels good. So for a moment, you know, they may feel good. And the more we do that, more and more those moments grow. Yeah, it's it's cyclical. They feel better. We feel better. It, we re- it really feeds each other. It not only benefits the person we give it to, but it benefits us as well. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what they've gone through yes. that morning. I mean, we don't know. It could have been something really awful. Exactly. Um. I think it's always that, you know, that could be me. We've always got to remember that. Uh, Do not think you're holier than now, you know, better than anyone else. The moment you're in that kind of thinking, it's a downward slide. We can stand tall in our own achievements. We can stand proud in our achievements. We can, you know, own them and celebrate them. Yes. But the moment you think that you are the bee's knees and the number one, that's when that ego has stepped in and it's a rocky, rocky decline after that. I agree. That's when you start to lose some compassion for other people. Yep. So you separate yourself out from yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful. So um, books for 
for the mums and dads and aunts and uncles out there that are going through everything, you know, that grieving process, which is so, so, so important. We can't just suck it in and get on with life. I know, you know, I'm a bit like that. And uh, it is, you've got to have that grieving in order to release it. Otherwise, it's going to burst open somewhere else down the road, maybe at an, in an opportune time. Um, but in that permission to place value on yourself, that permission to love yourself, permission to be compassionate with yourself and carry that forward so it's a really good message and with little sam being the little superhero i mean write more books about that <laughs> of our little superheroes you know things they do in the community mowing someone's lawn you know all of those beautiful acts you know really define the human being and it teaches them so much more about value about respecting each other but it also teaches the parents that are reading the books that um you know don't do it all don't dictate invite invite yes how do people get hold of you hun and where can they buy the books so the books uh i know you don't have barnes and noble in canada but we do have them here they ship to canada they're on amazon they were out of stock of compassion magic for a while but they're on barnes and noble um i think there's free shipping to canada you can find me i've got um on facebook on an instagram compassion magic uh Sampson.com is my website um i'm gonna have an etsy store soon for sam and some a behavioral program for compassion a chart and a crown and a cape and all that will be up and uh on etsy so i would say find me at virginia hunter sampson or compassion magic on instagram um and uh, facebook is probably the best way to connect with me and uh, look at my web page the links are on there and i'd love people to give me their feedback about the books mm-hmm. i love people to share their stories i mean if you read compassion magic please share your story with me. Yes. please reach out to me and you know please do not say you're not important enough for anyone to hear your story because it doesn't, we're not comparing stories, right? Everybody's story is important. Everybody's story was painful for them, a struggle for them, a learning curve for them. And there is like one story bigger than the other. You know, there are some that are more gut wrenched, um, but it is about your story and so never sell yourself short and say i'm not important because that's not the case um we're all important and the more more that we're willing to go through that process of healing and finding that compassion for ourselves the more we can serve humanity around us that wonderful ripple effect yes i couldn't agree more thank you sarah this has been wonderful i love the conversation and i've learned i've learned so much too from this conversation so thank you well thank you very much and i said you know, come back when you've got another book there with Sam or Samet or Samantha. Sam or Samantha, and actually, it's supposed to be a series. I get, I just have to get around to getting the next one done. But yes. yeah, yeah, because I think those kind of books are definitely when they're read to the kids when they're young and they can read them themselves. And we're saying they could be a superhero for doing the housework and being compassionate and being kind to the animals and nice to the people outside in the street. It changes everything. So, you know, it's a, it's a really good seeding for the children to grow yes, up and with. And I think the children are, are our future. Oh, yeah. You know, they are. If we, we want them to be compassionate, then we have to start them at this point, point in we, their life. We do. If we let them down, it's now time to step up, most certainly. So, again, it's virginiahuntersamson.com. Yes. Excellent. And they can find everything else there. So thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable with us. And to everyone else, remember your story does matter. You never know whom it's going to inspire. Yes, you can get through this grief. And yes, let's make all of our children superheroes for doing the wonderful chores around the house and being compassionate to others. So until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here at selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.